You are listening to the latest message from Bar None Cowboy Ministries in Omaha, Texas, where we don't care about your past, but care about your future. We thank you for joining us as we look into God's Word with Pastor Dwayne Higgins. They're beautiful songs. Uh, kind of about wrong is Matthew 6. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew 6, verses 25 and following, so you may want to get your Bibles out or look up here on the screen and get ready because uh, some good news for you. How big is your God? How much do you trust Him? How much do you trust Him? Can you trust Him with everything you got? Can you cling to the old rugged cross when there's nothing else to hold on to? It's all we got, folks. We better be ready. Because things are coming down the pike as fast as they can go. And uh, they're going to be after you because they're going to despise the cross. They're going to despise you. But guess who the victors are? Huh? You are. That Bible study in Revelation is talking about who the winner is. Who the winner is. I've got it over here. It's in that last book when I get through all the concordance and everything. Right there. You know what that book tells you? We win. We win. And we'll be with the Lord. And He will be victorious when the time comes about for all this world to be judged. We win. Why? Because of the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ. This week I was thinking and studying and, and, and God was speaking to me about how Jesus is the great giver. The great giver. And He gives all things. He gives us the rain. I know some of you think, oh, I wish He didn't. <laughs> We'd be in a world of hurt without rain, folks. This world could not survive without rain. He gives us the sunshine that comes along after the rain so that we can make it. He gives us the breath we breathe. Do you realize He holds this earth in a perfect circumference around the sun? That if we move one mile closer to the sun, we'd burn up. If we move one mile further from the sun, we'd freeze to death. You're talking about climate change. That's climate change. But God keeps it just right. All the time. Been doing it for thousands of years. I don't think he's going to mess up here lately. So he knows what he's doing. He's the one that gives us the life that we see. These young babies coming along. Have you ever thought about the miracle there is for that child to be conceived and born and come out and be going? I'm just amazed. This is calving time for me right now. And and, and those cows will drop a calf and within a matter of just a little bit, they're up, standing up, and they're nursing. What makes them want to nurse other than an empty belly? God has placed it in their mind what to do already. To draw that breath and to go from being sustained in the womb to being out there and, and just up and going. And within a matter of days, they're running and kicking in a play. And it, just that quick. Isn't life wonderful? Just wonderful. He is the giver of all things for us. And that's what we're going to be talking about today uh, because 
in a world like we have today is a lot of anxiety, a lot of anxiousness, a lot of people worry about how they're going to survive. Folks, you don't have to worry about it when you're in Christ Jesus. Verse 25, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Do not be worried. But that's the very thing most people worry about. Do I have enough? Am I going to make it? Folks, if you've got a will to serve the Lord, you'll make it. Amen. He can take care of you no matter what. If you're not going to trust in Him, then you better worry. Because you don't have enough to take care of yourself. Because we've been talking about that the past week or two, how these physical things can leave so quickly. But I want you to know because we are in Christ Jesus, we are victors, and He gives us what we need. Verse 26, He says, gives us a comparison. He says, Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth more than they? Huh? Are you worth more than the birds? Four of you are, anyway. I don't know about the rest of you because you didn't seem to, you're wondering about it. Are you not worth more than the birds of the air? Because yes. Jesus died for you. He didn't die for the birds of the air. So that tells you you're more valuable than they are. <clears throat> Daryl, could you go get me a bottle of water? I'm going to need it. I can see it coming. I'm more valuable than the birds, and they're beautiful. Now, it's not what he's saying. They're beautiful. But I'm more valuable, and so are you. <laughs> I told you it's coming. I cannot get past that January crud that I have. But you need to get that into your mind to realize the value that you have in God. No, I'm, water's what I need, Charlie. Thank you. I'd be chewing on that and spitting all over everybody. <laughs> <clears throat> it's it's right there is what it is. Yeah, I know. I have it too. Marcy, is he this slow when you're dying of thirst? <laughs> <laughs> Hurry up, Daryl. <laughs> Thank you. See, the sun's coming out now. There he went. Went on down them. All right, we're more valuable. To me, this is what leads a lot of people to depression today. They don't understand how valuable they are to God. That's why they, they get pulled aside and, and somebody says something about them and they get all upset and they pull back in their little old hole and they just say, well, I'll just stay over here and hide then. I, I think I'll just kill myself and that'll teach them. Suicide is a massive problem today with people. Why? They don't see that they have value. And they, they get that away, and then somebody says something about them on, on the Facebook or whatever they're doing, and, and they call it bullying, and they, well, uh, nobody likes me. There's one person likes you. That's God. And He's the only one that counts. So we need to understand we're more valuable than them and when we begin to understand that then we can expect our Heavenly Father is going to take care of us 
because we have that value. Verse 27, And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? Can any of you add a minute by worrying? What you can do is take some minutes off by worrying. Stress will lead to sickness. Anxiety will lead to sickness. And you will begin to withdraw and your body will begin to not function. Have you any of you ever known a hypochondriac? You know, they're, they're out there. Whoa, man, don't ask them how they feel. You don't want to know. They're dying. They're on the way out. And they're 27 years old, you know. They're just miserable. But that worry and anxiety will lead you, proven by doctors and the medical teams, it destroys you. God says, don't worry. Don't worry. Because you can't add anything to your time by worrying. It may take some away, but you're not going to add any. Because He's going to take care of you. And that's what we need to get into these little thick skulls of ours is that God's taking care of us and He can provide for you. And you know, in January when I was talking about experiencing God, that's what it's all about. You'll never experience God as long as you're trying to do it all. But when you begin to back off and let Him control it, is when you start seeing Him provide in ways that you never thought about. Some of that mailbox money rolls in or or something else comes in, or, or something, all of a sudden that money goes further. You just, a thousand ways God can work to provide for you. All of a sudden, things begin to work out, and you say, wow, look at here. And that's what it's all about, because quit your worrying, because you can't add any time. Verse 28, and why are you worried about clothing? Uh, observing that the lilies of the field grow, and they do not toil, nor do they spin, Yet I, saw, uh, I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. And most of you raised here in the country. And y'all love it because you born and raised here. Some of you moved here from the city because you love the country. We're about to enter into the next month or two being some of the most beautiful times there ever are. Because it's going from dead to green. Flowers are going to start blooming and growing up and, and clovers coming out and all the various things coming out. There'll start being a sweet smell in the air. Why? Because God's earth is so beautiful. It's better than anything you could do. Better than any clothes you could wear. Because your clothes do not make you anything more or less than what you are. What makes a difference with God is what's on the inside of those clothes. He didn't die for your clothes. He died for the soul that's in you. And that's what He wants. And that's what He wants to be beautiful. Because how you dress... Hey, oh man, this is going to get gross. When people die and, and they put fancy clothes on them, all they're doing is hiding death. The clothes don't make them. It don't make the person any better or worse than what they were. And when you're doing a funeral and they try to dress them up and make them look real nice and you know that they're uncomfortable. Because I've known some people wore the overalls their whole life and when they die they want to put a suit and tie on them. It's like, that's not right. 
Well, we want to we show respect. Man, show respect for who the individual was. That's what matters. It doesn't matter what kind of clothes we have on. It's what God makes out of us on the inside that makes us beautiful. And that's what shines out, just like the beauty of nature shines when it begins to spring forth. That new life in these babies is what shines when they begin to come up. And that's why uh, I love to see them because they're a joy to watch and stuff. They're, they're so innocent and, and so loud. <laughs> but but they, they love one another and they have a great... And, and you just see that joy of in, growing in life. When they get old, they become old and crutchety and hard to get along with. and They only do that if they don't have Christ because I've seen a lot of old people that were just as sweet as them babies were. The old crutchety ones are the ones that beginning to not realize who they are and they're worried about death. Well, I'm telling you, if you're born again, you don't have to worry about death. You don't have to worry about food. You don't have to worry about anything. Because the victory is yours. It's yours. Belongs to you. Because of what you did when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. So don't worry. Don't worry. Alright. We're going to get on in verse 29. I told you he's a giver. And that's what we're going to see. Uh, Yet I say to you that not even... I read that one, verse 30. But if God so clothes the, the grass of the field and which is alive today and, and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not so much more clothe you? You of little faith. You of little faith. You see, when you go to worry, and it means you don't have any trust in God. And I'll use the word trust because I think in the English term we understand that more. Faith, sometimes we begin to think that's something different. Faith is trust. And you cannot have a true relationship with anyone, much less God, if you don't have trust. Trust is the foundation that every relationship has to be built on. And if you can't trust God to take care of you here today, you might as well forget it in the future. Eternal life, if He can't take care of you today, there's no way He's going to take care of you when you die. Oh, yeah, yeah, He can. No, if you don't trust Him today with the little bitty things that you've got need of today, you will never be able to trust Him with something as great as raising you from the dead. Amen. Don't People say, oh yeah, I do. No, you don't. It's an impossibility to trust somebody with a greater thing than a lesser thing. And the lesser thing is day-to-day life. And if you can't trust Him with that, then you'll never truly be able to trust Him with that. And you'll live your life fearful that what if? What if? Well, I don't have to worry about what if. I know. Because I've learned to trust God in my daily life. And I hope and pray you are too. Because when you can trust Him and you watch Him take care of these daily things, then you know that other is taken care of. And that's what gives you the assurance of your salvation. It gives you the assurance of what He can do. Boy, it gets better. Now, this is coming from Jesus to the disciples. All right. Let me go on down here. Verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of 
his righteousness. Or the, some of them translate the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added to you. Trust the kingdom of God in his righteousness. Trust God and all these things are going to be added to you. What is the kingdom? It's ultimately God's rule over everything. It's all God's. So trust Him, trust His Word, trust His righteousness to be your righteousness, and He'll take care of all these things. So when you're in Christ, there it is. Your only task is to learn to trust Him more. How are you going to do that? You're going to get up every day and you're going to say, God, here's the problem. Here's the problem that's facing me today. Here's what's going on in my life. I need you to take care of it and show me what to do to respond to that. And when he does, you respond to it based upon what the Spirit's leading you, and you'll find out it gets taken care of. Sometimes he'll say, just sit still and know that I'm God. Sometimes he'll say, get up off your rear and go do this, and you'll do it. See, there was a need one time when the disciples needed some money to pay a tax. He, Jesus didn't tell them to sit down. He said, Peter, go to the lake and cast in your hook. And when you pull that fish out, there will be some money in his mouth. So you had to go to get that blessing. Other times he'd, he'd tell you just sit and wait because God will take care of it. But he will guide you and direct you in what you need to do. And all of a sudden it begins to come about and you'll begin to see these things happening. Because is that not what he's telling his disciples? Those that were with him right then? But what are you? Are you not a disciple of Christ? How many of you are born again in here right now? You know you're born again, you say. Uh, you know that makes you a disciple? Yep. Yep. Because a disciple is a follower of Christ. When you've been born again, you've become a follower of Christ. If you've not been born again, then today would be a good day to get saved and become that follower. Because that makes us disciples. We want to be like Him. And He's writing these words to us not to worry and not to, to worry about these things because He's going to take care of these things and He's going to give you what you need. Verse 34 says, So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble in its own. Right there is what we begin to, to see that if you start worrying about tomorrow, you're looking in the future. You may not even be alive tomorrow. The rapture may come this afternoon. Your death may come this afternoon. So why worry about something that hadn't happened yet? Why not just take care of today? Because that's what's all that matters. You've got to make today before you can make tomorrow. You're assuming you're going to be alive tomorrow. You know what? A lot of people assume they're going to be alive tomorrow right before they die. People are doing that every day. Having accidents, heart attacks, various things. Somebody shoots them. I mean, you go to parts of Shreveport, you, you may assume you're going to get out of there and you may not. You may be one of the statistics on the 6 o'clock news. Uh, you, you just never know what may happen to you. Uh, but he says, don't worry about tomorrow. Take care of today. Because when you see Him take care of you today, then you can accept the fact that He'll take care of me tomorrow. Faith, walking, and trust is built day by day. It's just like going, uh, how many steps are in a hundred miles? 
a lot of them. But how are you going to get there? One at a time. So before you can do that 100 miles, you've got to start taking one step at a time and, and build upon that. That's faith. You rise up every day, watch him take care of those things today, and then you'll begin to realize, hey, I'm going further and further down this journey, and I'm going to be there one day because I'm doing it one step at a time, and I'm growing. And the further I go, the more I begin to realize, hey, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. And the closer you get, the more you want to be there and not turn around and go back because of hardship. We need to understand these things before we can ever truly grow. But luckily, these things don't stop there. If you jump down into chapter 7, verse 7, he said, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks find, finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, when his son asks for, asks for a loaf, will he give him a stone? Jesus puts this part of this message into a way that we can all understand. He said, you want to know about your father? Then you ask. You want to understand who God is? Then seek. Knock on that door and, and get him to show you who he is. That's that daily walk with him, one by one, beginning to learn what's going to carry you through the cancer or the sickness or the ailment or surgery or whatever. You're going to do that. You're going to watch him work. Let him show you how he'll provide for that day-to-day -day life, just the very basics of food that you need and the, the money you need to pay for bills. Let him show you that he can take care of those things and listen to him because he wants you to know him in that way. Then he says, let's compare this to your father. How many of you would ask your father for a loaf of bread and he's going to give him a stone? Now, today's society, there would probably be a few of them. But the people that Jesus is talking about is the father that loves his son, and when his son's in need, he's going to give him what he needs at that time. Now, does he want to feed him from now on? What does he want the son to do? Get out and do it and begin to learn and do some things on his own. He didn't want to create dependency on the Father. You're supposed to grow up and mature and begin to move on and, and understand how to do it. But if there's a need, a father will, should and will most of the time always take care of his children. But then there's a time rises up when it's time for them to move on from the nest. And that's the same way with God. You don't get away from him but he wants you to start walking in faith and, and knowing who you are so that the blessings just begin to come and you're not always having to ask him the same thing over and over again. Because a lot of times before we do, we, we sit around and we just, hey God, fill up this pocket over here. I need some money. You know, <clears throat> if you go back over into Genesis, begin to study, part of the curse on men was we're supposed to earn our living by the sweat of our brow. For you computer nerds, it means you better start sweating what you do in the computer. Or you may have to get out and get a hard job. But he says you're going to work. You're going to earn by working. Not to sit around and do it. 
That's where I really disagree with our federal government. Many, many years ago, we began to telling people, you don't have to work, we'll just send you a check. Don't work, just have some kids. Don't get married and just have some children. We'll send you some more checks. So not only are we going to destroy that work ethic, we're going to destroy the family by telling you to do that, and we're going to break it down. And then we're going to, once we destroy the family, we're going to let these single individuals raise up all these kids doing the same thing, and then we end up where we are today. Everybody's dependent on somebody else to take care of and they don't want to get out and do anything on their own. A few of them break out and go to do it and change, but we've got millions of people now that, that never get out to make a living. They don't want to because somebody else is going to do it. We don't want a family structure because if we do that, we penalize them and, and, and nobody's making a living. And I, and I guess I'm, I'm dwelling over in a different thing. I, I believe in the, the marriage of a man and woman and they should become the family and they should raise their kids up to do the same thing because the children need a man and a woman in their life. Because they're going to learn some things from both of them. That's just the characteristic God's put in them. He created a family so that they, the children would learn from the parents, both of them. So they need to be a part of it. But see, we began to get away from the Word of God thinking we could do all this. And to be truthful, it more than likely had more to do with trying to get votes than it did the welfare of people. But I grew up in a time when, and, and many of y'all did too, when the, the government would buy commodities and stuff. And, and you didn't have welfare, but now every now and then there'd be a commodity truck come through and you could go get uh, milk and cheese is all I remember. Boy, it came out with loaves of cheese. I loved it. Because they were buying surplus milk from the dairy farmers and they were making cheese out of it. And every now and then they'd come through and they'd give it to you or dehydrated milk. We weren't much on dehydrated milk. There was probably a few other things that was done, maybe peanut butter or whatever. But you didn't get a check. You got food. And, and you got some of the basics that you needed. <clears throat> and, and so that's where we were. But we've, we, America's lost its focus. And all this is going along at the same time, parallel to us taking God out of the school. You see, there, there wasn't a coincidence. All this is happening at the same time. It's also happening at the same time the churches began to decline and paganism began to rise. Why? We quit seeking God. We kept, we kept telling people, don't rely on God, rely on us. And we'll take care of you. The Word says rely on Him. You don't go knocking on the door of the government. You said you go to knocking on God's door and let Him show you. You begin to pray to Him and see what He does and how He provides for you. Begin to stand on your own and you'll find out who God is. We want to go through that trail of life depending on somebody else and then when it gets real bad, then we want to go to God. Well, you're not ready for that because you've wasted so much time depending on yourself. Sometimes, 
I'm going to be a little irreverent, I guess. But I could see God up there just folding his hands and he said, you didn't need me yesterday and you didn't need me last week. Why should I be there for you today? Because that's what you're telling him. God, I can't trust you. And now you need me? He's going to respond to you a few times. But there's going to be a day when he says, that's what he did with Israel. So I've been reading Ezekiel during the week and man alive. He referenced them as a, as a prostitute. Talking about their lovers and, and they will leave their husband to go find all these other lovers. Well, that's what people do when they leave God. They leave their, their, their husband in reference to God being the husband and they go want to carouse with everybody else. Then they want to come back to the husband when the need's there. And man, you go out there and find your lovers. That's when they were going into the exile period. And that's why it was such a harsh message that Ezekiel had to give to them because they quit walking with God. They quit depending on Him and, and all of a sudden they're going into exile and things are falling apart and their lives and their possessions will be taken away, then they want to cry out, hey, hey, Father, come here. Come here. Many people today are dealing with children who are addicted to drugs. And they go to them over and over and they try to help them over and, and, and stuff. And it, it always, it's always, it's a revolving door. They help them and then they go back. They come back. You know, sooner or later, the parent finally gets enough and says, I'm tired of it. You've broke me. You've broke my spirit. You've broke me financially. You've broke me. There's nothing else I can do for you. God's in that same category. There's only so much that He's going to take before He says, you want to be on your own? Go out and be on your own. You make it. Because if we come to that point, you can bet he comes to that point. Because he wants you to be there every day. Now a lot of people like to take this verse out of context and say that when you pray this prayer, then God's going to give you whatever you want. You ever carried a child into a, candy, a Walmart or a candy store? Uh-huh. Can you imagine what it would cost you to get them out of there if you gave them everything they wanted? And then what would you have? A spoiled brat. That every time they go, they've gotten what they wanted and it's more and more. Same, God operates the same way. He said, I'm not going to give you everything you want because you'll wear this out. But I'm going to give you everything you need. And I'm going to give you some things that not only do you need, but you want. But it's going to be within the realm of what's so good for you and you need it. Because He's looking out for your welfare. Why? You are more valuable than the birds of the air. You're more valuable than the lilies of the valley. You're more valuable than anything. So why wouldn't He withhold some things and give you other things? He's a loving Father. The good thing is when you learn to start praying and your desires begin to match up with God's desires and you're not asking for that 
win the lottery. He'll give it to you if you need it, but most of us would be miserable if we had it. You'd have more friends knocking on your door than you ever dreamed about, except they wouldn't really be friends. They'd be somebody just wanting your money. And you'd have more heartache than you ever dreamed about. Some of the best blessings is God keeps us poor. Because then they, people don't want to have any reason to love you except because they love you. You have nothing to really give them but your love. But isn't that a joy? And then when you have a little extra, you can share it with them. But true happiness comes from the wealth of the people you have that truly love you. So God withholds things, but He gives us things. Why? Because you're special in His eyes. And when you leave here today, if you're born again, now this, this, is the, this is the perimeter, the only perimeter. If you're born again, you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're special. If you're not, you're still special. God wants you to be saved, but you're not going to fall into the realm of all these blessings. You've got to enter into the family through Jesus Christ before you can begin to be blessed like a child. So if you're without Christ, you're still out there on your own because you've rejected the one thing that you need most, and that's Jesus Christ. Because only through Him can we be saved. He tells us in John 14, 1, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. So you can't get him to the Father except through Jesus Christ. How do you do that? You invite him into your life, confess that he is the, the Lord of your life, and that you, his sacrifice cleanses you from your sin. Free gift. God's the giver of all gifts. He gives you salvation first, then he gives you the others. The problem is, too many people want to skip number one and go to number two because they're still trying to get to heaven on their own. But folks, coming to Christ is one of the great, it is the greatest thing you would ever do. Amen. You can't even imagine the relief that comes to you when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. You, you don't realize the burden you're carrying of your own sin. But I promise you, when you get saved, you will realize it's gone. You, can't, you won't know it's there because you're used to carrying it around your whole life. But the day that it's forgiven and it's removed, then you realize how heavy it was. How heavy was the guilt that you bore every day and the, the anxiety and the worry and all the things that you had. All that's gone. Because you accept Jesus Christ. And that's what it comes down to. For those of us who are saved, man, we've got nothing but good times in front of us. For those who need to get saved, you need to do that. Would you stand up? I'm about done. Stand up, take your hats off, bow your heads. There's somebody here today who needs to get saved. You don't know exactly what to do. But the Bible tells us that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. That means you. It doesn't mean that you're a certain age or 
or, or a certain class or anything. It just means whoever. Whoever comes to a place in their life that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And you need to cry out to Him right now. I'm going to lead a little prayer and if you want to get saved, you pray this quietly and let the Lord hear you. The first thing you need to do is admit that you're a sinner. You say, Dear Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm still in my sin. I'm going to be held accountable one day for the sin that's been in my life. Whether it's a bunch or a little, it doesn't matter. Sin is sin. But you admit that you're a sinner. And then you come and you begin to access God and you begin to say, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for that sin. You begin to acknowledge Him, that He's the one that died for that sin. And then you invite Him into your life and you say, Jesus, I need you in my life and I surrender my life to you because I know you paid for that sin and I'm going to accept you as my Lord and Savior. And I'm going to give my life to you today. And I want the freedom that comes with that. And I want the victory that comes with that. So I'm crying out to you right now, Lord. It's not the words, folks. It's what's in the heart. And so if there's someone here today that's crying out and they want that salvation, if you don't say anything else, just say, here I am, Lord. I give my life to you. And I accept you as my Savior. And I promise you this. He will come into your life and He'll take that sin away. And He'll begin to grow you and nurture you and move you from where you are today to where He wants you. So that whenever you pray and you seek, He'll begin to fill you with His Spirit. He begins to move you from that where you are today into where He wants you to be, which is a place of glory and honor and exaltation as He lifts you up. And you will know from that point on that you are saved and you belong to Him because He has given you more value than anything else in the world. So if you prayed that prayer, I'm going to invite you to come and talk to me immediately after the service and let me know. Father, we close this service knowing that those of us who have been born again for a day or a hundred days or a thousand days or ever how long we've been We've got victory that is ours and we're going to live in that victory. We want to be used by you. We're going to walk with you and we're going to experience you every day. For those who are joining with us today, they're beginning that journey. Bless them. Give them the strength and the faith to step forward and acknowledge that and to move forward from this day forward to walk with you. Because we want to be that lighthouse, Father. We want to be all that we can be. And I know today that many are beginning to consider giving themselves to you if they've not already. And we ask it in your son's precious name. Amen. Amen. So if you got saved, you need to come talk to me so I can rejoice with you. And if not, the rest of you, enjoy your life and be blessed and thank God every day. We thank you for listening to Bar None Cowboy Ministries in Omaha, Texas. We invite you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. We are located on Highway 259 just south of the 4-Way in Omaha. 
You may also find us on Facebook or the web at barnonecowboyministries.com, a place where we don't care about your past, but care about your future.